Ah, you obviously know Kung Fu. Welcome back to phase two of the June Jump Off. The Kung Fu Mac Attack WMAC Masters Martial Artist for Solidarity panel. We've got with us Willie the Bam Johnson, ladies and gentlemen. Hakeem the Machine Austin. And just joining us from the West Coast, the Panther himself, Eric Betts, ladies and gentlemen. They're coming in as I speak. All right, so get ready to get excited. We're going to talk about the entity that started it all. It started it all. Before we had American Gladiator, before we had all the stuff, the Power Ranger, everything you see right now, the WMAC Masters man started it out. But most of all, it brought together various styles, various cultures, various personalities. But at the end of the day, everybody still had respect. Everybody still operated with honor. So without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to my host and moderator for the day from the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. You know him, Mr. Jeff Vita. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate you. I'm going to bring in everybody else as they come along, but we are so, so uh, excited and grateful to have uh, the guest that we have with us, and I'm going to let him take the conversation from here. Go ahead, my brother. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. Thank you, Demetrius. Guys, it's great to, to be here with you. For a lot of kids in my generation, getting to talk to the WMAC Masters is a huge honor. So thank you all for, for taking some time out to talk. Um, I'm going to introduce everybody here uh, right now, and, and hopefully we're going to get a couple more guests to come in. But Willie the Bam Johnson, Eric the Panther Betts, Hakeem the Machine Austin. Gentlemen, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us today. It's great to have you guys here. We're going to be talking about the, the WMAC Masters, like uh, Dimitri said, an entity that predated a lot of things that uh, are prevalent in uh, martial arts entertainment now. But uh, let me start with you, uh, Master Bam. How did you get involved with WMAC Masters to begin with? Uh, it was the season I was number one on NASCAR and Chinese forms and weapons. And God bless his soul, my man, Yin Yang man, Richie Brandon. You know, we had just finished the cover shop with Karate Illustrated. And he said, bam, guess what, man? At the battle, they're going to be doing a, a TV audition, a movie audition, something like that. And when I, I had just won my division. And in the room, they just had a big meeting. And everybody was there, including Hakeem and all of us, man. And, you know, it happened. But we, I didn't think it was really going to happen. You know, you sign a paper. You're like, all right, you know. And you keep doing what you're doing. And it just manifests, man. So <laughs> I was blessed for that opportunity. But that goes back to... My, my brother, God bless his soul, Richie Brandon, during that time, we all were brothers and sisters, regardless of how hard we competed against each other. We still were real brothers and sisters with respect for martial artists. That goes back to Richie Brandon. That's awesome. And uh, Hakeem, uh, since uh, Master Bam mentioned you, how about you? How did you get involved with all of this? I mean, it, it was a little turnout, but I think a lot of the genesis were, were, were the same for uh, at least two separate groups. 
Uh, for myself, again, coming from the NASCAR circuit, you know, Pat Johnson approached me. Um, this is actually prior to the, the battle with the other tournament. So we're putting together this project, um, and we're developing this character. We would love to have you uh, be a part of it um, as, as, as one of the central characters. Um, and, again, this is something that was brand new. So similar to what Bam had said, we were not, you know, I, I was not, like, 100% sure this was going to happen. But, again, I wouldn't. Pat said, let's jump. At that point in my career, I was like, okay, how high? Let's do it. So um, it was a tremendous uh, beginning. And I think that um, surprisingly, the impact has been uh, a lot more prevalent than I thought it was. I think we took it for granted a little bit. At least I, thought, at least I know I did in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're definitely going to touch on that. I want to take a second to welcome Christine Bannon Rodriguez, Lady Lightning herself. Christine, thanks for jumping on with, me, with all of us. Um, yeah. I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to get to you. Uh, we're asking how you guys got involved with uh, the uh, WMC Masters to begin with. I'm going to go to uh, Eric Panther Betts, and then uh, Christine, I'll have I'll have you jump in at the end of that. Eric, uh, let me know how you got involved with this craziness. Wow. Um, first of all, I can finally hear you guys. So hi, everybody. Hey, yeah. What's up? What's up, buddy? What's up, Christina? <laughs> hey, so listen. Um, uh, back in 1993, there was something called NAPP. Uh, it was a convention being held in Miami. I was out there doing, um, uh, we were publicizing uh, Power Rangers. And uh, I saw different people were putting on different shows and events to kind of promote their project and concept ideas. And uh, Norman, the producer of, of WMAC, was, he had, I guess, shot something at Universal City Walk or Universal Studios with a couple of guys. And we were like, we watched it. We thought it was okay. And we were like, maybe you should do it more like this. And we gave him this cool demonstration of what it could be like. He got excited. He said, all right, I'll leave your contact information and we'll reach out to you guys. I kind of thought I'd never hear from them again. And probably about two or three months later, contracts were sent in the mail and the rest was history. <laughs> Good piece of history too. Christine, again, thank you for joining us. How about you? How did you get... Uh, recruited by the WMAC Masters? Uh, similar, um, you know, I was uh, very good friends with uh, Mr. Pat Johnson and, you know, he, I was uh, actively competing at the time and was ranked uh, number one at the time. And he called me and he said, you know, we're putting together the show and it's, it's uh, made up of, you know, top competitors. We have Olympic you know, world champion, gold medalist, and we have, you know, people from different styles and would like you to be part of the show. And and I was like, yeah, sure. It so sounded great. And when I heard who the other cast were, I was very excited because, you know, a lot of us already knew each other and competed against each other. And, um, you know, it was just, uh, it was a lot of fun and I was very excited to be part of it. Yeah, now speaking of those different styles, uh, the WMAC Masters put a spotlight on diversity, not just of martial artists, if, if you just look at the cast, but also in the martial arts itself. Was there a sense at all uh, from all of you guys uh, of opening up exposure to the different styles uh, to a larger audience? Or was it really just about being as entertaining as possible? 
Uh, Christine, let me let me have you start off soft. I, I think um, I don't think that was the main goal, but it definitely did open people's eyes to the different styles. We had, you know, sport karate and we had taekwondo and kung fu and, you know, just a lot of different styles, uh, kickboxing. Um, so I, I think it really opened people's eyes to the different styles that were out there. But we all came together to try and win that dragon star regardless of what our style was. So I think, uh, you know, I don't think that was the main goal, but I I think uh, it definitely did do that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Eric, what about you? What was your perspective on that? It's interesting. Uh, I always felt like uh, I was ridiculously honored to be even considered to be in that space because I came from um, a self-taught environment. I never got to, you know, my mom couldn't afford to put me in martial art classes and single parent household. And so um, to find myself even in that room at the time was awesome. Uh, I learned martial arts by, believe it or not, going to free trial, free trial lessons. And uh, in Boston, there were a lot of martial arts schools around. So my mom kind of figured out different areas and we, we we did a one mile radius three mile five mile and just kept going out doing classes as many places like as she could stand driving me to um with regards to your question though man it's i don't like christine said i i, I don't believe it was necessarily the intention of it but yes they absolutely brought so many different styles together different um ethnicities the inclusion of it all it was it was definitely ahead of its time by far Hakeem, how about you? Um, the, even though it may not have been in the intention uh, of the show, uh, was there something in you as a martial artist where you were like, you know what, I'm, this is a, a chance for me to showcase my style and, and, and give it a little bit of uh, exposure? I mean, the, the question, I mean, uh, I guess let me, let, let me answer the question first and then I want to dive a little bit deeper. Um, I think that if, if I had to put my spin for the show itself, they were looking for characters. They were looking for individuals who can bring a nice mix of entertainment um, as well as almost authenticating uh, the martial arts in regards to uh, the competitiveness of champions um, and and as well as the styles. I think that for myself, um, I was a little more, I guess, intrigued with the different styles because of the way I grew up in competition. Uh, At first, I was strictly a Taekwondo guy. Um, and then I got introduced to the Wuko side where I had to do a little more of the Ishanru um, and, 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 and expand myself. So uh, I think that allowing myself, to, at least at that particular point in my, in, my, in my career, to respect the different styles and then actually witness that uh, on set itself, I think internalize, uh, internally myself, uh, yeah, I think I did appreciate that. And I did understand the scope of the different styles and respect that what that brought to the table from entertaining factor and entertainment factor um, was a good mix. Was a good mix. So I, I think that again, similar to what Christine and Eric had said, it may not have been the intentional uh, drive, but I think that unintentionally it was dynamic in itself. Yeah, 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 definitely. Master Bam, how about you, sir? Yeah, it's, uh, I agree. You know, that wasn't our intention. What's up, Jamie Webster? I'm sorry, man. He just threw me off. He made me lose up. <laughs> <laughs> but, wow. Like that, I think just my welcoming him, I think that took precedence over everything else. We had such a great time. The, the camaraderie, the fun, the excitement, the family environment took precedence over the styles. I mean, you know, we were just happy to share ideas and, and techniques with one another. 
And as Eric said, I was just fortunate because I, I grew up in the city of Baltimore, so I was teaching myself martial arts and gymnastics, all the tricks I did. That was street gymnastics. So to be able to, you know, get formal certifications to legitimize my street martial arts and to be on TV, man, I just think it was just like a dream come true. But, you know, I think we, I, this was, I was just honored to know that I was amongst such a historical moment with great martial artists like we have here and some that are not present, especially my man, Richie Brandon. God bless his soul. I uh, just want to welcome Jamie Webster, Great Wolf, to the show. Jamie, thank you so much for jumping on in here. Absolutely. My pleasure. Um, uh, you know, while I have you, uh, we, I was just asking the rest of the, the group here what your attitude was when you were joining the show. Was it uh, an, an opportunity for you to uh, celebrate the different styles or was it really more about just being uh, a part of something purely entertaining for the fans? Well, you know, a lot of the guys on the show had done other gigs like they, you know, he and Nguyen and Eric Betts had been, you know, on a Power Ranger thing. And, you know, a lot of the other people had done other work. And this was like my first, I had done nothing else. So I was just honored just to be asked to, you know, to do it. So, you know, it was, it was, it was great for me because all the, all the competitors that I had competed with now I'm, you know, working with them daily. It was just, you get to really know them as a, as a person because you're hanging with them 15 hours a day. So you're, working with them and eating with them and you know just it's just you know it's like like brothers i mean you're like real like martial art is supposed to be like you know family no that's and that's a great point and i, I want to touch on that a little bit um hakeem let me let me get you to start this one off uh then the the show was uh part soap opera part reality show part video game uh and for those of us who grew up with uh, at the time it was called the <coughs> wwf uh to have martial arts uh, in the spotlight like that was something really special um, and I mean, if you think about it too, this was a distant prequel to what today's MMA uh, is is like. But uh, all of you guys on the show, real martial arts skills. What was the energy like on set when you started to realize that you had gathered all of this skill in one place? Okay, again, I'd say that's a interesting question. Um, the energy. Um, I, I I think that if I had to kind of quantify energy. it was it was new I, I think it was new for a lot of the different participants I mean we were for the first part for the first for the most part I'm sorry um, we were not entertainers in the sense of actors uh, we were competitors um, so the energy that we brought to competition was always on a very intense level and even though Eric and you know, may not have been on the competition circuit, he also brought a tremendous amount of intense energy to the fight scenes. I think that the, the, the I guess the, the, the learning curve was the acting piece of that. Um, and I think that everyone knew that they had to bring their A game when it came down to trying to put together fight scenes. I know that we had different factions with, um, you know, with, with Pat Johnson, I'm coming with his particular style of how he choreographed um, things. And then you had, um, oh, my God, how am I forgetting my other director? Isaac. 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 <laughs> how, can I, how can I forget Isaac? Isaac. <laughs> right. Isaac. And Isaac and, you know, and Eric and Nguyen, and, 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 um, he, he I'm sorry, um, they kind of came with a different style of energy. So I think that as we started to evolve beyond 
uh, mid-season, uh, the first season, and get one the second season, we actually were able to kind of put a lot of those different styles and those different energies of how we were actually able to put fight scenes together I and mean, even connect with each other um, in, in a very cohesive nature that actually made the show better. Um, so energy-wise, I think from we were competitors. I mean, we came ready. Um, and I think that was the good thing about uh, the show itself is it, it did kind of handpick some of the top competitors at the time. Um, so with that being said, these guys were these guys were elite. Um, so they knew how to bring their So I had a lot of feedback. So forgive me, guys. I'll end, I'll end it there because I've talked too much. Go ahead. <laughs> Not a problem at all. It's always good to hear the insight. Uh, Christine, how about you take that same question? Uh, I would say... Very similar to what Hakeem said, um, and it, it did depend on who was directing, if it was Pat Johnson or if it was Isaac, um, totally different directors. Um, I'm hearing that feedback, too. Um, but I thought, uh, I think being competitors, we were very that that's our thing and we're, we're competitive we want to you know be the best out there and and i can be playing checkers and it's like you know <laughs> to the death match you know <laughs> you know we we get very competitive out there and you know we want our fight scene to be the best one out there and and i think that brought the high energy um and and one thing i thought was was really cool is when we were filming at universal a lot of times we would film while the park was closed if we use different sets um different rides so to speak and you know we would be filming all night long and you know it's three o'clock in the morning we should be exhausted and 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 falling asleep but you know the energy level we would just like pump each other up and be you know full of you know as if it was you know 10 o'clock in the morning so we would be uh you know a lot of energy on the set um between the two directors that we had and just everybody that just worked together. And, and, you know, when we were offset, we, like Hakim said, we'd be having dinner together or going out. And, you know, so we were, we were together a lot, a lot. I mean, we were filming 15 hour days and, you know, we still, uh, you know, you had high quality, um, athletes there that had the endurance to go that long physically it's hard to put in a 15 hour day at a desk let alone when you're kicking and punching and trying to throw the best kick and the best punch and the best flip that you could possibly do 15 hours straight so i mean it, it got intense you know so um you know it was a lot a lot of high energy i mean that For that's sure. uh that's my answer <laughs> <laughs> master bam uh with uh that competitiveness in the air though was that camaraderie as real as that competitiveness you can tell from the energy right here this is real this is like real brotherhood and i mean you know i think it came to a point where it's like if you took more than one take to get that fight scene in you had to do some push-ups or something you know? <laughs> right that like no man you can't be doing one take one take you know, it was so much fun, man. And and Christine said, technique. We kept, we were competitors, so your technique had to be sharp. Eric Betts doing the backflip, it had to look good, man. You can't you can't just be doing anything. And that was the, I think, the joy, the the, the competitive spirit, the camaraderie, man. You just we. I mean, sometimes it was cold nights. If you ain't had no shirt on, like somebody like me or Hakeem, man, it'd be so cold out there. But you ain't gonna cry. You're going to figure out what you need to do to get warm and let nobody see you over there freezing. But it, I don't know, man. It was like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And I just think that 
you know, iron sharpens iron, and that's what we did on that set. I don't, I don't recall any negative conflict or any ego. It was just nothing but love, camaraderie, upliftment, enjoyment, and all of us just putting forth the best. That's that's what was unique about the whole show for me. That's really rare. That's special. That's awesome, uh, Eric. Uh, how about you? Um, because uh, you were uh, self-taught, as you as you described. Was there a genuine curiosity to uh, really jump in there with both feet and learn from uh, from one another when you were on set? So the interesting, uh, I love that question, first of all, because my first project I ever got to be a part of was a movie called Shoot Fighter. And I had the honor of meeting this this brother real tall, ripped up, shredded up, who, who looks like he was about 6'3", 6'4", but fought at like 5'8". <laughs> with a big ass foot and it was Hakeem and Hakeem Hakeem taught me in that fight scene on shoot fighter that um, there are some amazing martial artists that you have, you had never heard of out there and and there's a lot to be learned and so you know going to self-help self-help self-taught schools and you know where you get to do a 30 minute trial free class or maybe a one hour free class or if I'm lucky a week um, I, I needed so much more to compete with those guys on that level. Their, their kicks, their snaps, their punches, their, their everything on top of their presence. Um, it, it was an opportunity that I don't think I ever would have had without that experience to be able to sit down and work with the great and mighty Herb Perez, man, dude, uh, Herb, Herb kicks, Herb looks like my height and put kicks like Hakeem, <laughs> you know, Herb, Herb scared me. Herb, Herb also is a, a major Taekwondo martial artist. Of obviously won the Olympic gold medal for '92 Olympics, and uh, I can't. He doesn't telegraph. I all I know is Hollywood kung fu. All I know is how to telegraph and, and sell it. So suddenly now, the, what looks like a, a front snap kick is turning into a round kick and turning into something else. And I mean, it, it, it was the greatest opportunity to be around some of the greatest athletes without question. Um, I, I learned so much from that experience. And was extremely humbled, and and yeah, man, I'm grateful for for even to this day. I still remember plenty of opportunities uh, that I've had in film and television these days, where I reflect back to like what, how would how would Akeem do it? How would Murmur Chen do it? How would all these different characters do it? So that I can bring that to whatever I'm doing on at the time. That's great, Jamie. On that note, uh, who in that in the cast um, maybe pushed you the hardest, and uh, in turn, who do you think you uh, influenced? And, you know, had that give and take with on set. I don't know if I influenced anybody. I remember I remember the first night, the first day that I met Eric, um, my buddy Johnny, uh, Johnny Smith that played Tiger Claw, we grew up together. And he went actually down a few weeks before to start filming. And the day I was flying in, he said, well, when you get here, he said, we're off today. And he said, we're going to, he said, you're going to meet uh, he and Nguyen and Eric Betts. And we're going to go to the arcade and so we played a Tekken video game. It was me and he and Eric and Johnny, and we played Tekken for a couple of hours. And then, then my then I went to you know to Universal there. I you know I got to see my costume. Um, you know, it was the first time I'd worked on anything, so I'd never like let somebody like do my hair and makeup and things like that. And so you know, it's just a really <laughs> weird experience for me. But my first night was that I filmed was March the 2nd, 1995. And it was against, uh, Hakeem. And, 
you know, I get back to, you know, after three months of two or three months of filming, I get back to my studio and all my students are asking me, okay, are the fights real? And I'm like, no, they know who's going to win before they already have it staged out. Who's going to win? I said, but you know, the first guy I fought the, the machine guy, I said, like, if we fought for real, I said, he would still kick my ass because <laughs> he's like, he's like six, four and 225 five pounds i said he would kill me anyway so i was fighting him and i remember he I, I was supposed to duck a spinning like a spinning i don't know if he calls it a spinning hook or a spinning wheel we just call it a spin kick but he threw a, a right leg spin kick and he's so tall he he kicked me with the calf of his leg now luckily he did not hit me with the heel of his foot but he hit me with the calf of his leg and they had me wear my hair all stupidly the first couple episodes. <laughs> I had it parted down the middle. It was parted down the middle and had braids. I looked like I was either kind of like on Little House on the Prairie with the Laura Ingalls uh, look, had the two braids. And anyway, my hair was all matted down with product. And he hit me with the calf of his leg. And I heard my hair go like crunch. And I thought like he knocked my hair off. And... Anyway, the, the, he grazed me with the kick, and I fell to my knees, like, and I thought, man, if that had hit flush, I mean, that would have broke, broke my mouth. I mean, if he had hit flush. <laughs> Luckily, it was just the calf of his leg, and, and, uh, but that was my first night working was that, that particular fight scene. That was the first night. <laughs> Hakeem, one. since he uh, brought you into that, how about you? Was there, was there somebody that pushed you and you, in turn, uh, maybe uh, gave uh, more than a little bit of a nudge to? You know what? I, I you know I'm I'm gonna have to be a little more a little PC on this here um, because I think that you know every character, every athlete there um, brought a different set of challenges, energy, skill sets um, that you had to kind of kind of move around to a degree, or at least try to enhance. Uh, because at the end of the day, what we're trying to do, I mean, because you're still trying to tell a story within the fight itself. Um, it's important that that arc works. It's important that you, know, the, 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 you guys dominate. It's not about me dominating someone or someone else dominating me. It's about how does the story work within the context of that fight scene. So I think that if I was fighting with, you know, Jamie, if I was fighting with uh, Eric or, or, or Chris or her, but whatever, I mean, it's important that I kind of feel the nuances of that particular fighter to find out what works, what makes them look well. And I think that that happens within the scene. Um, and show their strength, show my strength um, as well, and, and explore some of the weaknesses. So I think that, um, you know, to answer your question, without rambling too much, um, I think that each fighter and each athlete that you actually had the opportunity to work with, um, it motivated me and inspired me. It, it made me better as a practitioner, as an entertainer, um, and uh, just overall, you know, from, a, from the standpoint of just working with them. Um, I think that the motivation and the inspiration of that encapsulated within those different fight scenes. Very cool. Uh, I'm going to take a second to welcome Herb Perez, Olympus right there. Uh, I'm going to go to Christine on this next question really quickly, and then I'm going to, um, I'm going to go back to you, sir. Uh, Christine, as, as one of the few women on the cast, uh, how different was the experience for you just simply because you were a woman amidst what was a heavily male show. Yeah, I think that that was the challenge, you know, just trying to, the, the show definitely was geared more towards the guys. 
and you know we didn't get as much screen time um you know so when we did get that opportunity we wanted it to be super exciting and we wanted to put the best fight scene together that we possibly could and you know we had other other times where we were actually playing the ninjas on the set so you know if if we filmed our fight scene on one day then the next day we were there and we were the ninjas for somebody else um so when we were playing the ninjas of course you know no one knows if you're a guy or a girl when you got all the costumes on and stuff so you know we uh you had to make sure that you, you were tough enough to be able to take those those hits from those guys and and uh not be uh crawling off set and crying you know <laughs> so um it was definitely a challenge i think as far as being being one of the females and you know getting the producers excited enough to have us have more fights uh i know pat johnson was really pushing for it a lot of times and and trying to get and and i have a funny story is when i first met norman and and we were we were uh <laughs> discussing my costume and everything else he had, he said uh you know we 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 picture you as you know how about the grace jones look and i was like uh no <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, I, I just can't do it. I'm like, if I'm going to get fired from the show over this, I'm like, you know, I didn't know what, what his reply was going to be and stuff, but we kind of came to a happy medium and they shaved the sides of my head and did all kinds of glitter and stuff, which was the biggest pain in the neck every night, trying to get all the glitter off, off my head so I could get in bed and not have it all over the, and you know how it is with glitter. It just goes everywhere. So, uh, you know, but that, that was a, a funny story when, when that's how he approached me and talked to me about my character and, and going with the complete bald head. And I, I was just, just could not picture myself with the bald head. <laughs> um, but it was, it was definitely, definitely a challenge uh, being one of the females on the show and stuff. Uh, me and uh, Bridget, Bridget Riley, I think we were like the key females that were on there. You know, there were other people, um, Murmur Chen, and then we had Lynette Love and I'm trying to remember who else, but just a, a few of the females compared to all the guys. And even when it came time for building, making the uh, little characters uh, in the toy stores, it always, it, you know, went to the guys first. And, and uh, so we did have our challenges, but I think things like that make you, make you stronger and, and dealing with these guys, uh, you know, they just made it motivated us to, to really work hard on, on creating great fight scenes for, for the spectators, for the, for the audience and, and, uh, helping out the guys as being ninjas. That's great. And, uh, Herba, I'm going to address this question to you, uh, so that you can jump in with, with everything with martial arts, race doesn't matter. Gender doesn't matter. Height, weight, uh, all of it comes down to skill versus skill. Uh, and, uh, all the while acknowledging and accepting and, uh, uh respecting your opponent. Right. So, what did you bring to your character to kind of embody that attitude where it was just about respect and skill and, and really being uh, that true martial artist? I think we were fortunate that the writers of the show understood that. And I think they, um, that was their, their reason for the show. So I can't remember a single time on the show where there was any discussion of style versus style as far as one being better than the other. So I think that, quite frankly, I don't think it was ever a discussion about athletes being better than the other. What you found was it was about celebrating 
um, what martial arts was and excellence in general, as opposed to excellence based on style or individual. So there really, I don't remember there ever being a conversation, um, even among ourselves, about who was better or who was worse than the other. It was really more a conversation about this celebration of excellence and what it meant to be a dragon star um, better and more importantly, what it meant to be a dragon star champion. And so we all kind of would look forward to that and wanted that to be one of the things that we were able to get. Um, but I don't think there was really ever um, any negative discussion. The only time there was any negative discussion of martial arts came with the Jukido storyline. And that was um, planned for, to add drama to the show. So I think that was a good thing. And I think all the guys and all the girls, you know, we've had some amazing women athletes on the show. Um, uh, some present on the phone and some not here. So I think it was really a celebration of of martial arts in general. And I, and I, I would hope that that would be what it was um, in the future, should it ever come back again. Definitely, that would be great. Um, speaking of the Dragon Star then, uh, the eight points of the Dragon Star, I don't know if you guys remember this. Uh, discipline, courage, forgiveness, compassion, honor, wisdom, loyalty, and respect. Uh, in an ideal world, you know, uh, the martial arts that we all study uh, would embody all of that all of the time. Uh, I, I do feel like there was a, there was one point in time where martial arts was so commoditized that a lot of that was lost in the translation. Are, were you guys uh, ever aware of that uh, being um, lifelong martial artists? Uh, do you remember that time where, you know, these McDojos would pop up and it wasn't martial arts the way that uh, ideally you would want martial arts to be? taught and learned. Master Bam, can you, you take that for me? Us as competitors, I, I think we always showed that towards each other. I mean, even if you lost, you still, you know, you had to still go up and shake a hand and bow. Then you probably go back in the stands and probably cuss people out and yell and whatever, but you never showed it to the other martial artists, brother and sister. You never showed it to the kids that was watching you on the sideline. I mean, I just think that's the, you know, as competitors, that's, that's the side that they don't talk about. At least I could stay doing that time of NASCAR competition. Everybody wanted the best for each other. You yelled for each other on the stage. You know, you, you, you strive. I mean, even though, you you know, first time working with Eric and, you know, even Herb on the show, we, we that's just what we, we, that's what we embodied as martial artists. We always show respect. You see, I, I mean, Jamie, my man, everybody's, my, I love everybody on here. But once again, you see how excited I was when Jamie got away. Like, yo, my man, you know, I'm trying to do that to Herb, you know. I can call any one of them, Christine or anyone. And it's like, if you need something, it's like, yeah, man, what can I do for you? Come up. I'm going to set you up in a hotel. And maybe that is what's lost in the martial arts now. But back then it wasn't lost. I, I mean, I'll tell you a, a, a real funny story. We used to always do shows together. And I remember one time I was on a show with Christine. There was only a demo. I don't think she remember it. But I was always this intense competitor. I always walked around with earphones and, you know, people th thought I was mad and mean. And I'm listening to Snoop Dogg and, you know, KRS-One and everybody just wanting to kill the world. And I remember one time he was doing a demo and Christine said, bam, why are you so intense? You know, it's just a demo. I don't think she realized what she did, but she changed me for the rest of my life. So I said, man, you're right. I don't have to be that intense when I'm just doing a demo. I'm dealing with people, dealing with fans. It's okay to just be calm and, and cool. But, you know, I could have got egotistical and said, who is she talking about? No, but she was my, you know, sister in martial arts. So she was teaching me a lesson. And so many of them have done that for me. And I think, you know, maybe today that is probably what's lost. But 
you know, it's our duty as martial artists to be the example of it and we can change it, you know, and I think that that's what the show allowed us to do. But it's not too late to fix some of those problems that you're talking about today that are, that's probably obvious in martial arts schools in the martial arts industry as a whole. Eric, what about you? What's your perspective on that? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, I, back in martial arts, you know, back when I was going from school to school, taking trial free classes, um, you know, I'm going to just say it. I'm going to out somebody. There was there was a company called Fred Valaris. <laughs> you guys remember that? Am yeah. I like, man, this guy, this white guy with a beard, and he'd punch it to the camera and go, are you tired of getting sand chicken? <laughs> Uh, I think he froze there. That, that looked yeah, like it was going to be a good story. That's a good freeze right there, too, man. Jamie, let me let, let me have you jump in while uh, Eric sorts out his tech difficulties there. Well, from what I'm, you know, once I, once I was on the TV show there for a couple of years, I started getting a lot of calls for seminars. Like these other school owners from all over the country would call me and say, hey, I want Great Wolf to come to my school. And, and how much would you charge for like a weekend? I want you to teach a few classes. I want you to take pictures. I want you to sign autographs. I just want you to hang out at my school for, you know, a couple of days. What's that going to cost me? So, I mean, I was doing seminars every other weekend for, you know, two years going to all these schools. And there's some, some schools that most of the schools were just average, above average or, or good. You, you saw some that were, um, you know, it was more like a belt factory or, or you know, the, the, the maybe the owners were in it just for, for, for the money. But I remember going to a school in Miami and it was called Better Families Through Taekwondo. And it was um, Mary Beth Perez and her um, husband ran a school. And it was probably the strongest school that I had been to th at that time as far as like for that particular style. They had a school, it was three or 400 members. Now, usually when you have three or 400 members, members, most of your, the, the, most of your students are, are just kind of in the middle. You, every school is going to have that one good one, that one guy or that one girl that can flying sidekick over a car or something, you know, they're going to have that one. But this particular school had 35 adult female black belts. Now, most schools don't have 35 adults in their program much less 35 adult black belts they had 35 women black belts not teenage girls and these women could do like every one of them straight up sidekicks every one of them had art they were so cut they were so ripped and i asked i asked the the owners i was like what do these ladies do? Like they're all just ripped. And they said, Oh, for their test, they have to do a hundred pushups. They have to do 75 without stopping. And they have to, then they can do the other 25. But I mean, they were do these, it was, it was a really strong school, but most schools when I did all these seminars were just, you know, they were okay. I mean, I always would get back and think, you know, am I going to go to a school where their students are, way better than mine like are are their green belts going to be better than my red belts or whatever and i would come back and feel pretty proud that hey my students are pr pretty good uh but that one school in miami man they rocked they were not a belt factory they they had a great program a big school but also great talent cool cool eric now that you're back finish that story sir man my phone i don't know what's up it's it's 100 degrees in la and my phone to overheated shut that call off but so listen here's the deal i i, I saw the advertisement for fred fred Valari. 
Um, I didn't have any respect for the commercial. I thought they were uh, making a pretty cheese ball. And, and, I, and at the time, you know, I had nothing but um, I was in awe of any martial art instructor. The idea that they actually knew how to protect themselves, the fact that they knew these forms that were passed down from generation to generation. And so um, I went into one of the studios to try a free trial lesson over there. And they were so prepared to advance you. Uh, it was scary to me to know that there were children out there who thought that they were martial artists or black belts. Um, and so schools like that uh, are a stain in the martial art world. And so I, I appreciated, you know, uh, I, I never quite represented myself as being a martial artist. I've made it very clear, uh, you know, I will make you look good getting your butt kicked. Um, but, you know, as you start to study martial arts and, and, and get more into the art itself, you start realizing martial arts is more than kicks and punches and forms and weapons, but truly a way of life. And for that, um, it changed my life and it taught me how to uh, discover myself through movement. And so what I ended up learning as a result of going to these schools is how many people um, can spend an entire lifetime in martial arts and never actually learn who they are or how to find their own true art of the soul. So um, you got to watch out for schools like that. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Herb, as a resident Olympian here, what's your take on that? I, I, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, when we came up, most of us came up in the martial arts. I think we're all roughly from the same generation. I think I'm older than a, probably a handful of, of the guys on the phone. You know, we came up during a different time when martial arts was, um, even to get into a school was difficult for, for us. And if you pick a certain school. So, you know, one of my instructors didn't take me when he first met me, thought my hair was too long. I was too short. I wasn't flexible enough. Um, and so what you find now, and, you know, one of the things, not to discount any particular style or thing, is there's been a uh, walk back from martial art uniforms, belts, rank, and all that kind of stuff. And um, just a basic respect of what it took to get to a certain level in the martial arts. So when that comes to that, and we're all, um, whether you walk in the gym the first day or the last day, and we're all equal, then you lose a certain amount of um, things that may be necessary in the future. So, you know, what one of my instructors had said, he said, you know, the way you treat your students now is the way your students will treat you when you're an instructor. Or the way you treat your parents now is the way your children will teach you. And that's really quite true. So when I got on the show, just by way of example, and to give Eric some credit, you know, Eric is solely responsible for my ability to do television at the level that these guys did it at, because he was my guru. You know, he was my master along with Isaac and he and, and taught me how to do Hollywood Kung Fu correctly and right and, and everything that goes along with that, in, including being a ninja. And then all my colleagues on the phone now, they each played a part in my success. And I never forgot that. So that's why when you hear us talk about being there for each other, no matter what the situation or what the need, um, that's part of it. So that's one of the good things about being a martial artist, regardless of where you come from, what level you were at and what you did. There is an understanding of the brotherhood, the sisterhood that occurs with that and how it carries into the future. I think some of that is still in some of the martial arts, but I think the um, bravado and some of the big talking stuff that has come along with 
the MMA stuff has done a disservice to what we did as martial arts, what we do on a day-to-day basis. And there's still a lot of us on the phone that teach kids on a day-to-day basis and teach the life skills that I think are important to teach. So I, it would be nice to know that that is still the case and that that still is the case. So it certainly was for most of us, on all of us on the phone, and it certainly was for the generations of martial artists that came up under us. Let's hope that that continues to be the case as we move forward. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Hakeem, we're, we're almost out of time here already, but uh, let, let me go to you with this then. How would you encourage future dragon stars who choose the martial arts path? Let me fully understand the question. You said, how would I encourage future dragon stars? Yeah, if, 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 uh, if you met someone who, who wanted to take up martial arts first time, okay. uh, how would you encourage them? Knowing what you know, uh, having been through what you've been through, uh, being part of WMAC Masters, uh, and, and knowing that uh, you, they've gotten exposure from, uh, maybe they've gotten exposure from just from Hollywood. Maybe they got exposure from a, a, a friend who was, uh, who was in it. How would you encourage them to uh, fully pursue that martial arts path? You know what, I, I'm going to maybe layer that with a simple quick story. Um, I, I have been in Washington, D.C., um, and uh, one, one evening, uh, a bouncer came up to me and said, uh, JT would like to say hello to you. And I looked at me like, who the hell is JT? You know, who, who JT is? Because I'm, I'm, I'm behind her or whatever. Um, he says, oh, Justin Timberlake. I was like, oh, cool. I didn't realize the series back in the VIP section. So I went back there. Um, and, you know, he's like, hey, listen, I don't want to, you know, bother you running your club, blah, blah, blah. But I just want to say, hey, listen, a fan. I used to watch you every Saturday morning on WMC Masters. And I thought that, you know, seeing you here, I didn't know if it was you, blah, blah. But I just said, I wanted to say, listen, I'm a big fan. I'm looking at this. And I'm like, just look at something to me that he's a big fan. And the reason why I bring that story up because I think that what we did uh, as, as part of the show and the writer give him tremendous credit I'm not just on this all, is that we did try to do something that was a little bit larger than ourselves yes we were competitors um, yes we were entertainers but we were trying to also deliver a message um, and I think a lot of the kids and some adults that tuned in actually really got the message they got that. They, they, they received that information about the different qualities of the drugs. So if, I'm, if someone comes up to me today and they're saying, hey, listen, I was inspired by you, or I'm looking to pursue this as, as, as an art and as, as a growth, uh, then I say, do your homework. Um, do your homework, because you're right in alluding to the question that there are a lot of McDonaldized schools out there. Um, they are not going to deliver the core principles that are necessary with the arts are really fundamentally about. So you really have to look at the industry. You have to look at the environment. You have to look at the products. You have to look at students um, that are there, that have been, that, that's who has produced. So just in, in uh, unfortunately, a lot of people, a lot of times people will go to credit schools that are convenient. Um, and that's unfortunate. Um, you really have to do your homework. Find, find an instructor who really gives a, uh, I'll keep my words PG, um, but really gives a, a really is concerned about delivering the right principle um, and delivering the essence of what the arts are. Yes, it is about defending yourself. It is about being able to protect us who you care, care for. But also it's about 
developing who you are as a person, man, woman, a child. Um, so look for that. Look for that and do your diligence. Find instructing bodies that interview the instructor. Before, as Herb said, the instructor would interview us. Now it's the other way around. Interview the instructor. Find out if they're delivering the correct message and the correct principles on the correct applications. Good enough. Uh, Christine, uh, I'll go to you. Uh, as a father of three girls, uh, I'm interested in your perspective. So what do you have to say about that? Well, I think uh, as a female, it, it should be absolutely required, you know, to learn martial arts. Um, there's so many different things of uh, date rapes and, and just, you know, so many, so many different things that we can handle ourselves. We can protect ourselves and we don't have to be victims. And it, it's definitely something essential. If I had daughters, which I don't have boys, um, but I would definitely make sure that they knew how to take care of themselves. Um, cause you never know when something's going to happen. And most just listening to the history, it's always, uh, the percentage where it's somebody that you know, whether it's a family member or a boyfriend or something like that, that women get attacked. It's not always just a stranger walking down the street and avoiding those situations. So it's when your guard is down. So you need to need to know how to protect yourself. Um, but, but like they said, um, you know, martial arts is a way of life. And if I was meeting someone that wanted to learn martial arts and send them in the right direction or, or encourage them and tell them, you know, where they should go or what they should do and what they should look for. Um, it's a way of life. It's not just about kicking and punching. And um, like my instructor, who's my husband, um, always told me that, that we teach martial arts to the student. Um, you know, it's, we teach it, everyone is different. And, you know, I, I had student, a student who made that black belt and he had MS and towards the end of his life, he was in a wheelchair. Um, you know, it didn't really affect him that much at the beginning when he started training, but you know, the disease progressed and, but that man in a wheelchair, you would never want to put a wrist lock on you or, you know, an arm break or any of any of those techniques. Um, his upper body strength was so strong, but his legs were not. So just because he couldn't throw kicks doesn't mean that he couldn't still progress in the martial arts, you know. So it, we teach to the individual. And if you go to a school that, you know, says, well, if you can't do a full split or you can't kick straight up or you can't do this or that, you're not going to be able to test for your next rank. Um, you know, I, I would not recommend a school like that. Um, you would want to go to a school where they're going to, they're going to teach. It's not so much about the style. I'm not going to say, you know, I'm a Kempo stylist. I'm not going to say go to a Kempo school because it could be any other style. Look for the instructor. Don't, don't be so concerned about the style, but look at the instructor, how they teach, what um, characteristics do they have? What values do they teach? Um, and how they teach, how do their students react to them? Are they respectful? You know, and respect is earned. So, you know, a lot of students that show respect is because that instructor really, really earned their respect. So uh, those are the things I would probably tell someone that's in the looking into the martial arts, what they should look for is just really watch that, that instructor. Good deal. And, and I want to get to everybody on this point because I think it's important. Uh, Jamie, how about you, sir? Martial arts will give you what you are looking for. Like if you if you need to, if it's an adult and they need to drop 
25 pounds. Martial art will help you get into shape. If you need to gain better balance and better flexibility, martial art will help you. If it's a kid who needs uh, more discipline or, or greater confidence or they're getting bullied or, or I mean, whatever it is, you know, if you get a kid that's having trouble focusing, they have a, a ADD or, or whatever, martial arts is going to help them get physically stronger, more balanced, better flexibility. It's going to help them with their respect, their discipline, their focus, and their attitude. It's going to help them get in shape. You could you could be losing weight, or you could take someone who's a, a little on the slender side, and it's going to kind of must put some muscle on there, and, and they're, therefore they're going to get confidence from there. So I think martial arts is going to give – uh, each person what they're looking for nice eric how about you i kind of I, I feel like jamie pretty much wrapped that up in a bow for me i mean you know there was this old show i watched a million years ago of uh i think it was swamp thing or something and he claimed the formula makes you more of what you already are and i i that's what i feel like i discovered from martial arts there was uh you know i i, I grew up uh, a kid who was legally blind in both eyes and oh man that was a mess uh, you know inner city kid uh single parent household uh low income everything but i had my, my i was raised and taught with such when you don't have a lot you end up learning uh those parents tend to fill you with um all the components of the dragon star you start learning the content of character you start learning how important it is to recognize who you are, where you are, where you're going to recognize that you don't know where you are and who you are here today until you know where you've been to learn your history so you can start figuring out where you're going. Um, and as a result of that, you start discovering, again, yourself, and you start learning that true voice that no one can teach you. You, you, you start learning things about yourself. Uh, I, I see people as automobiles, and you start learning the vessel that you're in. What kind of automobile are you in, and who are you behind that wheel? And, and and it becomes a real cool journey of self-discovery. That's great. Herb, what about you, sir? I want to I wanna be in um, Hakeem Alston's automobile. I think he's in a Bentley right now. If I, I <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about, we talk about cars. I'm like, man, that's a nice car. And, uh, you know, <laughs> just saying. So, um with with all with all that said, you know the reason that I teach martial arts now. We each all have other things we can do. You know, I'm a lawyer by training. I've done a lot of other things. Serve my community as a, a elected official. The one thing that I continue to come back to, and the fundamental thing I do, is teach martial arts. And the reality is that everything that we did on the show, that the life skills that we taught, and those kids that came up to us and still come up to us as adults, and tell us that we transformed their lives. This is a result of the life skills. What my instructor taught me what my other instructor taught me um has transformed the, the me i am like most of the people on the show um we all came from backgrounds that martial arts was we gravitated to it because we saw a better life through it and i gravitated towards it because i realized it was the one thing that would change my life my instructor was a man who said yes was yes and no was no he said yes it was yes if he said no i didn't even think to question it i just moved in that direction he was right no matter what um, um whether he was right or not and uh i think there's something that to be said for all of that the reason we all are here every single one of us on this phone is not um because we were extraordinarily talented handsome beautiful smart bright we were all dedicated we learned that dedication through the martial arts 
perseverance, determination, patience. We learned wisdom as we got older, but we all were better for martial arts. So I'd like to believe that's why um, we continue to talk about it. It's why we continue to do it. And that's, that's what we pass on. Every person on this uh, call is someone that passed something on to me that I can remember many different situations and many different um, interactions with them that they added to my world. And so um, not to steal Eric's metaphor, but that is really what it's about. We're on a path of constant transformation. And it's really a question of what we need from what we do. And there's something for everyone here. Amazing. And the final word to the BAM, sir. I think, you know, Eric kind of like talked about teaching itself, you know, and I think Herb was talking about MMA. I realized that in order to fix the problem and teach those values, you know, I had to create something for me called Point MMA where I can go back to these cities where these kids that are just like me that are out there killing each other and dying. How can I teach them something that their parents and their neighborhoods are watching and paying money to watch as they sit there and smoke blunts and drink beer and celebrate MMA? How can I give them something that they into but sneak in the values and the principles? You know, I got to figure out how can I go amongst the, the evil and the negativity and give the hope an opportunity to the people because that's what movies and films did for me. So um, that that's what that's why I do what I do. I just I truly believe that I'm on this quest. Where it's, it's more about how can I prepare the next generation, even though that that things are broken. I still got to go out there and I got to give my all to prepare the kids even more outside the dojo, just as well as I prepare those inside my dojo. You know, yeah. and that's my quest there. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, it's all about humility and respect for me. Uh, I'm humbled to have been in, in, in all of your presences here, uh, and I respect uh, everything that you guys have done for martial arts. Uh, and I'm going to say thank you uh, for WMAC Masters, and thank you for continuing to uh, to preach the, the martial arts uh, to the world. I'm going to throw it back to Demetrius. Uh, guys, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Poison Clan rocks the world. On the hands running down the thousand stairs The fate of Lee Khan now's in King Yu's hands With the fearless Aida roaming over the land Yeah, the little big soldier is older than wiser He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight you got the venom mob laying down the law Bruce Lee delivered kicks, guarantees to graze jars Fight for the cars, then pass here the pass Not again, back kicks will defeat the outlaws Very good, but boards don't hit back Yeah, the death jewels here, David is coming back The Tai Chi master, jetty's even faster The channel little drink because he is the drunken master Once upon a time in China Rosamund Kwan is real fine But see Maggie show his spine Golden Swallow has arrived Shang Chi movies will the hero will survive We've got the brave archer make his way to the top Of the mountain gonna fight May as well pick the spot Yeah the sky goes black Cause the vampire's back We've got Lam Ching Ying to kill them all to so stand back He plays the black magic on the soul of the sword And our sword will travel and 
till there's bodies on floors Yeah, Wing Chun Shaolin and Mantis style Yeah, defeat the enemy and watch them run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Welcome to the tea house, many for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws See it's a game of death, yo, you're facing the big boss It's once upon a time in China counting the TikTok The Shogun Assassin slash and blood just drip drop The head kick, neck drop, balance the bone stop Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins He's got her just in yellow, but she is in the dragon But in the tea rooms, that's where it'll happen She got the bodies on the floor and the blood It'll splatter against the walls, no fear at all To kill them all, there's always blood spilled When you head into a war, fearless, unleashed the fist of legend that they call Jet Lee I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumble in the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these It's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's warm, we smash the place so with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting